0: This is Emmanuel Today, taking steps toward God's possible in your life. It's now time for you to sit back and prepare for insights on your walk with Christ. Let's join today's message right now. Good morning, church. How's everyone doing today? You guys okay? How many of you love Jesus today? here your opportunity to jump back in. So good to be together. Welcome to those who are joining online as well. And I love that we can officially begin to celebrate Christmas today, right? The uh, As never before, yesterday my wife and I were out uh, doing some scavenger hunting and uh, post-Black Friday shopping and uh, to find if you left anything, you know, because uh, you guys probably got all the good stuff. And uh, there's so many cars with Christmas trees tied to their roofs yesterday, and uh, it's like we can officially start decking the halls and decorating today. I did enjoy Thanksgiving. I enjoyed it a lot. We celebrated and ate like never before. We had a friendsgiving with our our Connect group and uh, loved that we had uh, we had all kinds of different amazing uh, food that that we all contributed and pitched in and uh, one of my favorites was some baklava that was flown in from Lebanon so I don't know about your Friendsgiving and your Connect group celebration but I'm sure mine was way better than yours <laughs> and then I loved being able to be with family uh, as we drove out to see my grandma out in Wisconsin. And uh, the strawberry capital of the world in Alma Center. Hi, Grandma, and uh, she's ninety-four years old. And uh, yeah, Grandma, that's that deserves an applause. You guys are you're on it today. And uh, she I uh, love being able to celebrate, spend time with her, and she's always she's just you know, sharp and and great at hosting and loving. And so got to uh, overindulge and eat too much there, and then uh, slept with, during the uh, Lions game, and as you probably did too, and then we just, we've been, you know, we got leftovers, you should come on over, uh, <laughs> we've got leftovers for months, and, uh, and I love, I love Thanksgiving, but I love also being able to turn our attention to celebrate Christmas, and Christmas, uh, you know, there's so many phrases that we say that they can almost uh, feel like a cliche, they lose their impact, but we're celebrating Jesus, and he really is the reason for the season. It's not just that single day in December that we celebrate together, that we open gifts or exchange gifts or give each other gifts. It's, it's really about acknowledging that God has been good to humanity. He has been good to you. He has been good to me. He took the initiative, took steps towards us, when we were turning our back on him, he took steps towards us to show us his love, his grace, to give us hope, to give us peace, to give us joy. And that's what we celebrate over Christmas. I love that, that we're uh, you know, starting the series that acknowledges that the story of Christmas didn't start on that day in December. And it, it actually started way before then. In fact, the, 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 the child that was most announced, the birth that was most announced, was the birth of Jesus Christ. And, uh, and it didn't end on that day, which is probably not December 25th, that's when we celebrate it, but it didn't end on that day either. The plan and the Christmas story extends all the way into today, into our story, into our reality and what we're going through, God continues to bring salvation, peace, the prince of peace is still within reach amen and so today we begin to celebrate the fact that god has that grace that love it says in john 316 for god so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life this is the plan the whole time god took that initiative so that we could have life so that we would not perish so that we would not lose uh, the, the, the hope that he has for us. Now, there's a backdrop uh, to this story of Jesus' arrival as well. And like I said, he was the most announced uh, birth in the history of humanity. And I remember when I was seven and my sister was six. and my uh, Actually, she was five. We actually share the same birthday. If you want to uh, pull out your calendar, save the date, February 6th. Mark that day. It's very important for my sister and for myself. She's two years younger. And uh, we remember our, my parents had a little family meeting, a little gathering. We thought we were going to split the inheritance. And, uh, and then we found out there was a new member of the family that was coming. And it was a surprise, not an accident, a surprise. And uh, my brother, Ben, was uh, joining us as part of the family. And I love that. You know, God, God knew it, it was a surprise to us, surprise to my parents, but not to God. God is not surprised. He always has a plan, right? Nothing catches God off, off guard. And, uh, and, and as we, as we look at the story of Christmas, we know that God knew all along that he was going to send his son. In fact, he actually announced the name of his child 700 years before Jesus was born in Bethlehem. He announced the name, and actually a couple names in Isaiah, and we're going to be reading that in a little bit here. But think about names. You know, as we uh, are in the series, What's in a Name? I was thinking about when we named our children. We got Analia, and and I were talking about, okay, we've got a boy coming, and I was really set on the name Santiago, which is uh, kind of a Latin rendition of Saint James or St. Jacob, you know, and so you can call him Jimmy if you want. He's probably not going to respond, but Santiago means, uh, God will reward. God will reward. He prefers son of thunder, which, uh, you know, James and John were the sons of thunder, which would make me thunder, right? Uh, but Zoe, on the other hand, Zoe means life, the life of God. You know, she's, she's you know, beautiful and it really exemplifies that. We found out Analia, Analia, it's my wife's name, it's actually a combination of two names. Anna, which means uh, full of grace, which if you know her, you're like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, she's full of grace. And then Leah, which is the second half of the name, actually means The one who never rests. And uh, I was like, of course. God knew. God knew. Full of grace and she never rests. I always say she's like a hummingbird. It's really hard to catch up and follow her. She's always, you know, all over the place. Analia's second or middle name is Araceli, which is a beautiful name. And it means altar of heaven. And uh, that's Zoe's uh, middle name as well. And then my name, Pastor Nate's name, and and my name means gift of God. So you're welcome. (laughs) I remind my family all the time. I'm a gift. And there's no gift receipt with this one. You got to stick with it. We're here to stay, right? But there's always a meaning behind the name. It's not just the phonetics of a name. Because, you know, my name in in Spanish is actually pronounced different. It's Natan. And so, you know, depending on what language you're speaking, a name might change in how you pronounce it, but the name itself is not about the sound, it's about the essence and the meaning behind it. So as we talk about what's in a name and we're thinking about the name that's above all names, the name that changed everything, the name that changed not only history, the name that is at the center of history through which... Most of the world measures time before Christ and after Christ, but we're talking about the name that changes our own stories as well. And as we pause and reflect, you know, there's so many great names in the Bible. There's some great names, but also some good ones to avoid. If you're going to name a child, here's some that you should not use. Okay. Thank you for asking. And, uh, there's one that's really hard to say. It's Ma'er Shalal Hashbaz. That's just one name. And it means quick to plunder. And uh, by the time you finish pronouncing it, he's already picked your pockets. And so don't pick that name. Another one, Ichabod, the glory has departed. Don't name your child that. Okay. Here's a, 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 a mom chose this one, Abishag, which means ignorance of the father. And then Nabal, you know, uh, you've got Abigail and David, the story of Abigail and David. Nabal means stingy fool. His parents were messed up. Why would they name their child that? Hi, hello, name tag. Hello, my name is Stingy Fool. And uh, there's so many names. You know, there's some great ones in Scripture, too, that you can, you can choose that are much better than these. Uh, Social Security has told us what the top 10 2021 names are for both girls and boys. So thank you for asking as well. Olivia, Emma, Ava, Charlotte, Sophia, Amelia, Isabella, Mia, Evelyn, and Harper are the top 10 girl names. And then boy names, Liam, Noah, Oliver, Elijah, William, James, Benjamin, Lucas, Henry, and Alexander. Some of these it's like they just keep on coming back. They're like classics, right? And, uh, and so what's in a name? What is behind the name? And then, you know, thinking through even the, uh, the, the announcement of the name of Christ. Now, the, the phrase for our series that we're going to be looking at throughout this, this upcoming month and heading into Christmas, it's actually a phrase from, and you might recognize this, from the classic William Shakespeare Romeo and Juliet. Scene two, act two, Romeo and Juliet. That classic moment by the balcony. The balcony scene, right? And uh, Juliet says, oh, Romeo, Romeo, where out thou, Romeo? Because that's how they talked in the 1600s, right? And, uh, and they go back and forth. And then at one point, she's trying to drive home the fact that their household names, their last names, the Capulet and the Montags, they shouldn't shouldn't stand in the way of this adolescent love. And so she says, she says the phrase, what's in a name? That which we call a rose by any other name would smell as sweet. In other words, we could call it a rose. We could call it whatever you want. It's still going to have that fragrance. And she's trying to To make this point by asking a rhetorical question and saying, Montag or Capulet, it doesn't matter. Love is what we have in common and our last names and our household names should not drive us apart. And so if you want to know the rest of the story, read the book or watch the movie, right? My son would say, why would you even read the book if the movies, I mean, so much more entertaining. But we're not, we're not. Uh, you know, discrediting Juliet in her in her uh, attempt to, to uh, you know, find what they had in common and and strengthen that bond of love. But what we do know and we agree with this: it's the phonetics of a name are not are not the important thing. It's really the essence, the fragrance that's attached to that name. And as God the Father was announcing the name of His Son who would come. To change humanity, to change history. He did it 700 years before through the prophet Isaiah. It says in Isaiah 7, fourteen, "I'll All right then, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And then later on, a couple chapters later in, in 9, verse 6 and 7. For a child is born to us a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of Heaven's armies will make this happen. I love that phrase, the passionate commitment, the stubborn love, the tenacious compassion of God will make this happen. It's not just an idea that he's proposing as a rough draft. No, he is determined to bring the Prince of Peace, the wonderful counselor, the savior of humanity into our story as well. How many thank God for that? Amen. So a name, it really is not just the sound of it. It's, it's, you know, there's forethought, there's intentionality, there's a description, a definition, an essence, an identity. Uh, he's known to God the Father. He matters. He belongs. And in the same way, he's communicating to us that he has a plan. When God speaks this to Isaiah, the nation of Judah, so the southern kingdom, was going through all kinds of crisis. They were facing uh, all kinds of, of threats from neighboring nations. The northern kingdom of Israel had already fallen. They'd been taken away as captives. And, and now they're, they're just, they, they, they're fearful. They don't feel strong. They're uncertain about the future. And, and God speaks through Isaiah and says, I've got a plan. I've got a plan. Whatever you're going through now, you need to know, that I have a plan. This does not catch me off guard. God does not improvise. God is not surprised. God has a plan. And I love that through prophecy, God, he, he affirms that in us. I was meeting with uh, one of our friends from, from church here, Dan Smith at Perkins, just across the university here having some coffee, and we were talking about all the different messianic uh, prophecies that there are. There's 300 different announcements of what Jesus would live during his lifetime. There's eight of them that are very specific, like the fact that he would be born in the town of Bethlehem, like the fact that he would be part of the tribe of Judah, and there's a few others that are like this, eight different specific ones that were fulfilled in his lifetime. And uh, we were talking about, and, and Dan quoted the, the, you know, this illustration that gives us an idea of what are the odds that one person could live and fulfill all of those eight different predictions that were given hundreds of years before. And he said it'd be like grabbing a silver dollar coin and actually grabbing a hundred trillion silver dollar coins. And uh, you could, just to get an idea, because that's way beyond the amount of zeros that I could, uh, that I could imagine you know, when it comes to, to uh, amounts and numbers, he said it'd be like covering the surface of the state of Texas with silver dollar coins two feet deep. Now I thought, as I was preparing for today, I thought, what if we covered the platform with silver dollar coins. Some of you are like, okay, where is it going to come from? Is it going to fall from the roof? Silver dollar coins, two feet deep. But then I thought, that's going to be expensive. It's going to take a lot of time. So let's just use our imagination. It's quicker and cheaper, okay? Two feet deep, whole state of Texas. And then you grab one of those and you paint them red. You paint that one coin red. Then you mix it up, you shuffle it in. And then you blindfold someone. And then you say, okay, pick one out. The odds of that person choosing the one red one out of all those trillions of silver dollar coins, the odds are the same as the odds of one individual fulfilling eight predictions that were made about his life. So God is not a God of coincidence. God is a God of intentionality. God is a God that has a plan. When we look at prophecy in scripture, when we look at the end times announcements and and promises, they are a reminder that God has a plan. So he has a plan for for humanity and for the world at large. He's got a plan for each and every one of us. Now, that plan, what it should inspire in us is a sense of perspective and hope and trust and confidence And you might feel like, well, if everything is scripted, then what's the sense? Why would I even pray if God's going to do what he's going to do? It's like having a Tesla and sitting in the back seat and uh, and filming it. while it drives itself, right? Um, Don't do that, by the way. You're still responsible. If you're Tesla speeding, you can't say, well, the car did it. I didn't do it. No, you are responsible. You will get the tickets. And in the same way in scripture, there's this beautiful tension Uh, that we learn between God's sovereignty, God has a plan. He is intentional. He's at work in and through history. There's God's sovereignty, and then we learn about human responsibility as well. It's not either or. It's both of those working together. God gives us a place, and he gives us responsibility, so we can turn our back on the invitation that he gives us to be part of his plan, to join, and then we're going to you know, have the gift of consequences that will come our way. But through prophecy, what God does is he instills hope into our life. And then he also gives us guidance and perspective for our next steps. I don't know if you've ever had someone come up and give you, it uh, doesn't always have to be in King James. In fact, it seldom is in King James language. Where That someone will just give you some insights that God has put on their heart. And it's like, I don't know if this is, you know, I just get the sense take it or leave it, spit out the bones, but this is what I'm feeling for you. And, uh, and and it might be the exact answer that you needed. It might be a verse that God put on their heart. It might be a, a line from a song that God put on their heart. And it ended up being an answer that confirms something that God is speaking to you, or maybe it announces something that he's going to confirm later on. So prophecy does that in our life today as well. It's not just uh, from the Old Testament that gives us kind of a big long-term picture. It's for day-to-day guidance in our steps. Love the story of Joseph. There's another moment when God, he approaches Joseph. Now, Joseph, the, the father of Jesus, the husband of Mary, and this is before they were married, they were, they were engaged. And, uh, and, and Mary comes and says, hey, I've got something I need to tell you. And he's like, what is it? And uh, she's like, I'm actually, I'm pregnant. And he's like, what? How did that happen? And she's like, it was God. It was the Holy Spirit. And uh, I don't know about you, but Joseph had reason to have questions and uh, to feel kind of upset about this. More so in that context. Both of them would have gotten the death penalty because of consummating their union before, before actually being married. So Joseph is struggling. He's thinking, okay, what do I do? I want to believe her, but this is really bizarre. <laughs> this is kind of crazy. But then at the same time, I know that she's, you know, a woman of virtue and she's honest and she's, and she's pure. And, and, but then on the other hand, if, if I do, you know, follow through with this relationship, we're both going to get condemned. And if, I, if I, can, I can maybe save myself and out her, and then, uh, but then she would get Condemned to death. And what and so he's struggling through this. He might have had some insecurities that he's navigating. He might have had all kinds of doubts, some pain also, because he's got, you know, he had dreamed of things working a certain way, and things were not happening as he had planned. But in the middle of all that, God speaks to Joseph. And I love that, you know, if you read the story of Joseph. God always shows up in dreams. I don't know if he was never awake enough for God to speak to him, or he had his defenses down when he was uh, sleeping, so it was easier for God to speak to him, but he always speaks to him in dreams. Matthew 1.18 says, this is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph, but before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man, did not want to disgrace her publicly. So he decided to break the engagement quietly as he considered this. So God knows what's going on inside of his heart, inside of his mind. The angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, he calls him by name, too, which is really cool. The angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son. And you are to name him Jesus, or Yeshua, or Joshua, which means that he will save his people from their sins. The name Jesus means the Lord saves. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through the prophets. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us at just the right time. God comes and He announces and He says, "This is the name that I want you to give Him." This is not an accident. We're not off script. This is part of the plan. In fact, God not only has a plan; He's got a good plan. He's got a great plan. He's got an amazing plan that goes way beyond anything that we could hope for. It says in Isaiah fifty-five eight, "My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts," says the Lord. And my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine, for just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. Remember the, one of the first moments where understanding that God had a great plan became a, a, a reality to me. I was 15 years old, and uh, it was winter in Minnesota, which can last 15 years sometimes, right? And we had just flown up. My family had served as missionaries in Argentina for many, many years. And then every five years, we would come up and live in, in Minnesota, in Twin Cities, for a year. And I had just met this young lady with curly hair, beautiful. And they said her name was Analia. And, and I was 15. And, uh, and, and there was some, nothing had been said, but some sparks. had. Uh, there was some chemistry going on, Right. And, uh, and, and just a couple months after meeting her, and it depends on who you ask the story, because then there's a gospel according to Ana and a gospel according to Nathan, who pursued who and who said you know who kind of you know so you can you can get her version later, but I'm I'm the one holding a microphone right now, so we flew from summer in the southern hemisphere, flip flop shorts, poolside, and came to. A cold Minnesota winter with short days, gray skies, and adolescent puppy love that, you know, just became kind of depression all of a sudden. Now remember that uh, there was a verse that stood out when I was reading scripture that, you know, it stuck out like it hadn't before. And, and you're, you might recognize this verse. And it became one of my life verses. I read right in uh, Jeremiah 29, verse 11, it says, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster. Amen? To give you a future and a hope in those days when you pray, I will listen. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. Now, bear in mind, it's moving to a cold climate, new city, new school, new home, new friends for a year. And I knew that we would be leaving after a year. And I was like, what's the point? Can we just skip this? Can you guys leave me at home? I'll take care of myself. I'm 15. I can do it. Yeah. They didn't go for that. So then they, you know, so we're in St. Paul. I'm going to go to school in, in West St. Paul for a year. And I'm like, I just want to be back with that girl with the curly hair and get to know her some more. And uh, you know, we didn't have anything going on at that point. This is pre-email, pre-social media. This is like, we just had to hang on to memories, right? phone cards were stinking expensive back in the day too. So we were, you know, we were, we were, you know, it was just kind of like left without much, much closure happening there. And then God spoke to me and he said, I've got a plan and I've got a future and I've got a hope. And there's purpose in the stage you are going through right now. I was walking home and in the snow, I found this little wooden, uh, It had scripted uh, words on it. And it looked a lot like this. And it was Jeremiah 29, 11. Like the day after I had read that in scripture. And it was like a confirmation. and And it stood out. And it was like God saying, I've got a plan. And it's an amazing plan. And today is a day of purpose as well. And something changed in my mindset at that point. Where I shifted from resenting that season to embracing it. And saying, God, there's people to meet, there's friends to make, there's an impact to make, there's meaning in today. And, you know, think about it now, and I'm like, why would God make an effort to uh, connect with the 15-year-olds? Like today, I've got real problems today. 15-year-old problems are nothing, right? Right? And then the things that I'll face in 20 years will probably be more, you know, intense. But God, God remains the same. He doesn't change. The things that freak out our, our hearts and our lives and make us anxious that stuff might shift, it might change, it might be the same. But God is consistent and he is constant. And he took the steps to show me that there was a plan, there was a great plan, better than my best case scenario. And uh, yes, Leah would have her chance to pursue me as she should. It took a while, but she caught me. And you all know the story. Love our life together. God has a future and a hope for you. So I don't know what you're going through today. And I don't want to diminish your fears, anxieties, or the things that you're navigating, the decisions. Maybe you're in the middle of transition. Maybe you're facing uh, uncertainty when it comes to, to health. Maybe, maybe relationships are just kind of being shaken. I, none of that is, is, I'm not diminishing that because it really is what you're going through. But I, I do want you to know that God cares and that He has a plan. And there is future and there is hope today. So don't resent the season you're in. Bless it. Embrace it. Live it. This is an incredible opportunity. Today is a gift that God has given us. Amen. And as part of this amazing plan, it's not like God says, okay, I've designed the plan and I'm hitting the start button and setting it in motion. I'll see you all in heaven. If you make it, Godspeed. He says, I'm not only designing the plan, I'm coming down and I'm walking with you. God with us. He's not disconnected. He's not far away. He's not aloof. He is with us. He's with us today. He walks at our side every single step of every single day. He's at our side to give us encouragement, to give us peace, to give us joy, to give us strength. He's at our side to remind us that there is purpose today, there is hope, there is a future. You are part of God's plan. You might be like, oh, this is all cosmic and macro plan, and what does it have to do with me? You, in the same way that God had planned and forethought the arrival of Christ, he has planned and forethought our own existence. Every single one of us was contemplated, was planned by God. We are here not by accident, We are not here as a surprise to God. We are here because he has loved us and he has wanted us to be here. It says in Ephesians 1, 4, even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. He adopted you before you even were born. He wanted you to be in his family. Isaiah 43, look at what it says here. I love this portion. But now, O Jacob, listen to the Lord who created you. O Israel, the one who formed you says, Do not be afraid, for I have ransomed you. I have rescued you. I have called you by name. Some renditions of this verse say, I have given you your name. I have named you. You are mine, says the Lord. You belong. I've adopted you. I've chosen you. When you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. For I am the Lord your God the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. What God speaks over us, the name he gives us, the promises he gives us, is the most powerful, defining thing in our existence. It shapes and molds us way more than our best decisions or our worst sins. It defines us more than our family of origin, than awkward stages of the journey. It defines us more than abuse or neglect or pain that we've suffered at the hands of others. It defines us more than our fears, our questions, our anxieties. His name that he's assigned to us, his definition, what he says about us is the most powerful force in molding and shaping us. And what he says to you today is, you're part of the plan. You're part of the plan. You're not an accident. You are part, I have dreamt of having you in my family since the beginning of time. I've chosen you. And I've given the ultimate price for that adoption, for that ransom, for that rescue. First Peter 1.18 says, for you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. And it was not paid by mere gold or silver which lose their value. It was paid by the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless lamb of God. God chose you, chose him as your ransom, sorry, long before the world began. But now in these last days, he has been revealed for your sake. He has rescued us. He has chosen us. God has a plan. God has an amazing plan. And each and every one of us is part of that plan. We've been adopted into his family. Amen. Would you stand with me? I love that throughout this series, we're going to get to know more about the essence of God through his names. And we're going to get to discover how close and how within reach he is. But today, I want to take a moment. I want to pause for just an instant. Could you all take a moment? Close your eyes. Open your hearts. I want to give an opportunity for a very specific group of people joining online from home or you're in the room today and you're far from God maybe at one point you walked with him, maybe you drifted away, maybe you've never explored faith or a relationship with God. Whatever the case, today is that day where God says I want to welcome you into my family. I want you to to live the amazing hope and life that I've prepared for you. I don't want you to live in a cycle of, like it said in that verse, an empty life that we inherit from our ancestors. I want you to live life to the fullest with joy, peace, forgiveness, saving us, making us new. And if that's the desire of your heart, it's all of this happens through that baby. We celebrate on Christmas the arrival of Jesus, not only in the history of humanity, but into your own life. It's through Jesus that we are able to have access to God. It's by saying, Jesus, I want you to be my Lord and Savior, that he makes all things new. So with every eye closed and hearts open, how many would say, I want today to be a day where everything changes in my life. I want Jesus to be my Lord and Savior. I want to take steps towards God today. I want his forgiveness in my life and I want, I want everything to be made new. If that's you, can you just raise your hand where you're at? Raise your hand if that's your desire. God bless you, God bless you, God bless you, God bless you. As you raise your hand, there's something that happens. It's a a reflection of a heart that's open and God says, you know what? I'm beginning to bring peace into your story. I'm beginning to bring purpose into your story. I'm beginning to bring joy and hope in your story. So if you raise your hand, can you just repeat this prayer with me? I'm going to ask the whole church, if you could just repeat this prayer with me and say, Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the gift of hope. Thank you for knowing me and for loving me and for choosing me to be part of your family. I accept your forgiveness and I ask that Jesus would be my Lord and Savior. From this day on, change what you need to change in me and affirm your hope within my heart. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to Emmanuel today. You can learn more about the various ministries that Emmanuel offers and see Sunday services live every week. Check out EmanuelCC.org for details. Please be sure to tell others about this broadcast that they could enjoy next week at this same time.